Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's Focus for Wednesday, February the 22nd, 2023, at 10.39 a.m. Central Time. Today's focus, doctrine is not enough. Doctrine is not enough. Now, I think many of you are going to agree with the article I have here in front of me. It will be interesting to hear the different perspectives that will be shared with me either on YouTube or email, or any other way people contact me. I will be interested to hear everyone's perspective. But before we get to this article, let me share a perspective that I have been sharing for a very long time. Sometimes when people hear it, they are somewhat kind of taken back, like, wait a minute, what are you saying? I think my statement sometimes leads to a lot of misunderstanding, because I don't know if people people really want to Listen to me try to explain it, but here is my perspective. I think when it comes to the church, the entire sermon concept, the entire sermon construct, the entire sermon idea needs to be taken out and thrown in the trash. It needs to be burned. It needs to be destroyed. We need to just destroy the whole sermon concept the way it's typically delivered because I believe it's ineffective and I believe it doesn't actually accomplish what everyone thinks it accomplishes. I believe the sermon, the way it's typically designed, constructed, the way it typically works today, is it actually keeps people away from the text. Like, the the, the pretense, the idea is that the sermon's leading you into the text, but I think over and over and over, the sermon stands in the way of it. It almost serves as an alternative to the text. It, It actually... It's subversive in many ways. It makes you think, oh, we studied Romans chapter 8, but in reality, you didn't study Romans chapter 8. The sermon got in the way. The sermon stood between you and the text, and it wasn't to bring you to the text. It literally stood as a replacement, as an alternative to the text. Now, I know you're going to disagree, and I know you're going <laughs> to I know you're going to disagree. I almost I almost just Want to take a deep sigh even saying that because people just look at me like, you're crazy. But I just think the sermon structure is so much about the sermon, right? It's about delivering a speech. It's about having your, your, you know, you have your introduction, you have your body, you have your conclusion, you have to have your transitional points. Like it, it, the way the whole thing is designed, it's more about a speech. And then, and, 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 but yet it pretends that, no, no, here, right here, like I'm holding up my Bible. It's about this. It's about the preaching and teaching of God's word. That's what we say. But I think in many cases, the sermon actually just gets in the way. Because I think, I think if we are really honest with struggling with the text, it wouldn't always be so easy and simple and like, Here's three points, and here's this nice little outline, and here's this wonderful closing illustration. It wouldn't be so structured and nice. It would be like, well, what about this, and what about this, and we struggle with this, and some people say this, and and there's like fifteen different interpretations, and and what about, and and it would be, it would be so different. But I think in many cases, a sermon, someone gathers their ideas of what they think the text means, and they, I, I feel in many cases. 
They just put that in the in place of the text. And then you sit there thinking you're being brought into it, but in reality, you're being kept from it because you're not really digging into what's there. You're not really digging into what's there. I, I don't know how many times I've listened to sermons and I'll be like, well, what about this? <laughs> like, like, no, 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 that verse should raise 50 questions. Well, no, 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 what about that? No, 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 there's a problem there. No, do you not realize there's 37 different interpretations? Don't you realize all of the philosophical problems? And it's like, okay, never mind. And like, we covered 18 verses in one sermon. And I'm like, oh man, you did not cover anything. You delivered a sermon. You did not deliver digging into the text. I strongly believe that. I, I In so many of our sermon reviews, I've said that. I'm like, no, we heard a sermon. We did not study the text. We just finished recently reviewing a, a, a sermon on Romans chapter 8. I still like, if you go back and listen to that sermon that we reviewed, and you look at Romans chapter 8, I think it was like verses 1 through 6, verses 1 through 9, um, There's no way you can listen to that sermon and walk away thinking you literally, you actually understand Romans 8, 1 through 9. You you did, no, he kind of read some verses and then just said whatever. And it's like, wait, how does that explain anything in the text? Because something is being imposed on the text. It's not like you're trying to go to the text and struggle with it. You're trying to impose something upon it. And I and I and I don't like that. That I don't like the whole construct. I don't like the whole way it works. And I know that places me again. I know a shocker at odds with the majority of Christians. I know shocker. It puts me at odds with a good portion of Christianity. But I just really have become very skeptical, cynical about the way sermons are designed and put together. I just have. I've just grown kind of tired of it. And not only that, I've become very weary of the fact that there are millions of sermons preached all the time. And does anyone even remember what was preached? I mean, you see those statistics that if you preach a sermon at your church on a Sunday morning, right? By Sunday night, well over 50% of the people have already forgotten what was even preached within one day. And then if you, if you, go 48 hours, 72 hours out, even a little, they don't remember anything. Like most people have forgotten the entire sermon. So Sunday after Sunday, people get in a car, drive to a church, hear a sermon, but by Wednesday, they've already forgotten the sermon. So what's the point of getting in a car and driving somewhere where you get a nice little speech, but there's nothing to it. Now, everyone thinks that they know why there's a disconnect and why people don't remember. And so then there's always these, hey, we need to do this in a sermon. We need to do this in a sermon. And there's been this struggle for a very long time. Some people thought, oh, well, we need to we need to use PowerPoint or we need to use multimedia presentation where we show video clips or maybe we need to show a movie clip or maybe we need a drama team. Like everyone has come up with all these ideas and how to make them more memorable. But I think every idea that's come that people have come up with it does the same thing. It keeps people from the actual text. I think, I think in many cases, sermons treat people. 
I think in many cases, sermons treat people like they're too dumb to get it. Like, like, hey, 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 you can't really dig into all of that. Your people won't understand it. It's And, and whenever I hear a pastor tell me, you can't do that, the people won't get it, that, that, that that's too much for them. I'm like, how do you know what's too much for them? See, my my perspective is, I believe the person in the pew is more than capable to struggle with all of the theological and textual complexities presented in any text. I believe that you can dig in and you can go slow and you can struggle and you can question and you can doubt and and that the people can go along with it. Now, now, trust me that my perspective, my way... Is not the way to build a church, okay? My way is the way to empty out your building because most people don't like that. They're like, it makes them feel uncomfortable. They don't like the questions. They don't like the doubts. They want to come in, get that nice introduction, right? Maybe a funny story at the beginning, break the ice. Give me, give me at least the feeling that we're studying the text. Give me your, you know, three points, Make sure you give me some kind of an emotional conclusion, right? And to, to make it very practical and then send me a home and try to get me out there right, right by 12 o'clock, maybe a little earlier so I can get to the buffet before the other churches. And that's people, what people basically want. They may claim they don't want that. They can, they can, they can, they can give an oath. They can swear up and down. No, no, no. I want to really dig into the text. But when you, when you explode, the basic sermon structure, the people will leave. The people will go. And guess where they will go? Right back to a church that gives them the standard sermon structure. And I've grown weary of it and tired of it. I just, I'm tired of it. And every time I review a sermon, I'm just like, oh, here we go. All right. Okay. Here's the standard structure. Okay. Give me your intro. Okay. Good. Check. All right. Now, what are the points? One, two, three, or, or four, whatever. Okay. Check. Give me that closing illustration. Check. All right. Go. You got everyone out on time. Check. And it's just like, no, the text requires so much. The text requires so much. There's so much to it. There's so many, every text requires problems uh, to be worked through and to be acknowledged and to be dealt with and to be figured out. But it it makes people nervous. It makes people nervous. And uh, I understand that. But I, so I have a very, I just, I just don't like the way, I just think sermons have, have actually done more damage than they've done good as far as people actually getting into the word of God. I really do. I re- and and you can you can disagree with me all day and that and that's fine. That's fine. Look, here's the thing. When when I when people disagree with me and they get upset with me, I'm some I'm always kind of taken back. I'm like, "Why would you argue with me? You got 80 million churches out there that will do it exactly the way you're arguing for. They'll do it exactly the way you want. Why are you so bothered that I just think it should be done differently. Why are you so bothered that I have a different perspective when the majority is on your side? Why are you so upset with arguing with me? I just think someone has to offer a different perspective, and I just think it should be done in a different way. And if you listen to my preaching and teaching, you know we do it in a wildly different way. Like we, We've tried to blow up the entire structure, and we try to dig in and struggle with the text. Now, the reason I've spent now 12 minutes doing all of this is because I received an email that 
says this. This is the title, subject line. Well, first, there's a picture, right? So this is an, uh, an email that was sent to me, and it's a link to an article posted at sermoncentral.com. And first, there's a picture, and there's all these pictures. They're obviously sitting in a church, and everyone, like it shows, the focus is really on this, uh, these two girls uh, sitting there, two young ladies, and you, they got this, they're looking up at the pulpit, you know, looking towards the front of the church, and they got this smile on their face. And what it's trying to give you the image is that everyone in this congregation, they are engaged. They are paying attention to what's going on in the sermon. And, and, it's, and, and you look at this, and you're like, wow, when I preach, I want people to look like that. I want them to look engaged and excited to be there. And every preacher wants that. So, but what's, so what is this email about? Well, immediately you're going to find out. Here we go. Doctrine is not enough. Does your preaching connect with people? Doctrinal sermons are fine, but do they connect to human experience? All right. Now, this may focus primarily on doctrinal sermons, and we're going to work through this a little bit. We're going to take a little bit more probably. We're going to go a little long today for today for the today's focus podcast uh, series. Hopefully, you're okay with that. I mean, I mean, obviously, you can just drop out whenever you want, but hopefully, you're okay with that. I'm going to try to apply some of this to sermons in general. So, when it comes to a sermon, I already think the structure needs to be blown up. But what do you feel is the main? What do you feel should be the main goal, the main purpose of said sermon? I mean, honestly, like, like, let's not pretend. What do you want in a sermon? Now, some people want it to really feel like a sermon. They want it to feel like, hey, that they sit there and here's the pastor and he's not going to cause them to question or doubt or have any uncertainty. He's going to open the word of the Lord and he's going to say, thus saith the Lord. Here's how you understand Romans chapter eight, verses one through nine. Here's the three points. Here's how you under, and almost in kind of an authoritative almost a dogmatic way, present what they believe to be the truth of the text in a very concise, summarized way so that it feels like a sermon. It feels like preaching. People like that, that comfort. Now, why I, why I can't, why I, one of the reasons I hate that entire system is I think there's, there's a level of hypocrisy in it because people say they want that, They want that until they hear something they disagree. And as soon as they disagree, then they become argumentative or they'll just leave the church. So why do you want a sermon that seems to be so like, thus saith the Lord, and preach it in a very authoritative and dogmatic way when you know and I know the minute you disagree, you're either going to argue or you're just going to leave and go find another church. What's the point? Why, Why pretend? Where to me, it's much better to go, okay, guys, here we are. Today, we've got Romans 8 in front of us. I hope you're ready. We're going to work through this. We're going to struggle through this. We're going to ask lots of questions. And when we're done, we may have far less, we may have more questions than we do answers. And I don't know how we're going to work through this, but we're going to stumble and fumble and we're going to get through this. We may be looking things up. You may need a Bible dictionary. You may need a blue letter Bible app. We're going to look up Greek words if we need to, and we're just going to struggle through it. I, I, to me, that's just more, much more fair and honest because I can get there and preach it and like, you know, get my outline ready, decide which theological way I'm going to approach Romans 8 and just approach it in a very dogmatic way, very concise. And it feels like a sermon, but I mean, 
it doesn't really mean anything because people are going to be just like, whatever. They're going to do whatever they want with it anyway. So I like the struggle approach. But, but the point is, what do you think should be the point of the sermon? What do you think the goal of the sermon is? Do you, I, do you think it's to bring the text and all of its complexities and problems and difficulties and present it before you and help you work through it? Or do you think the goal of the sermon is simply to be in a very authoritative, dogmatic way, give you a perspective in a clear, concise way where it feels like preaching and it doesn't feel so, it feels very structured and organized. Like, what what do you want? Or do you want something that's going to move you emotionally? Do you want something that's good? Do you want something practical? In other words, are you more worried about the practical implications of the text than the text itself? Do you want application more than you want interpretation? Or do you want interpretation more than you want application? See, another problem is everyone sitting in the pew has their own preferences. (laughs) Okay, that's, that's another issue. So what they're focusing on is at least for a doctrinal sermon, and I think they believe they would probably go with this philosophy everywhere, is that does your preaching connect with people? Doctrinal sermons are fine, but do they connect human experience? In other words, they're saying the key here in preaching is, is I've got to connect with you, the person. I've got to connect. Is it about a connection? What do you really think preaching should be about? Here's just a little bit of this article. We may not be able to get through it all here, but at least for today's focus, I want you to think about really sermons and how you view them. Here we go. The sermon is not a biblical lecture designed merely to inform the hearts of... Uh, the, I'm sorry. The sermon is not a biblical lecture designed merely to inform the hearer of some interesting facts. It is not merely a place where you can learn different stories from the Bible. Certainly it includes that, but no, it is more than that. The sermon is a vehicle for an encounter with the Most High God. This encounter does inform, but it also provides hope, healing, direction, salvation, etc. Because of this, preachers should embed in the sermon an expectation of a response from the congregation. So the, the, the focus here is, When preaching, you shouldn't just want to inform, you want to, in a sense, connect so that there is an expectation of a response from the congregation. You want to give them something to respond to. Now, this seems to be more that the focus is on application than, say, interpretation. It's more on application than it is exegesis. That that seems to be the focus here. And a lot of people, a lot of preachers, would agree with this. That was like, you're not teaching, you're preaching. And there's a difference between teaching and preaching. Preaching, you're making a proclamation. You're, 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 you're calling for action. You're moving, you're motivating, you're, you're trying to influence. Where teaching, you're trying to break down and explain concepts and ideas. So maybe some would accuse me of not preaching, but teaching. Some think that there needs to be a major difference between the two. All right, let's see where else they say. This response may be a heartfelt question like, what must I do to be saved? 
The response might be an assurance that God will be with us through a painful circumstance. The response might be a resolve to live with more loyalty to God's coming kingdom. There may be other responses, but the point is, is that the encounter with God changes humanity and that change, that change will manifest itself in some way. So here's the idea. I preach, and if I preach and connect, it will lead to change. Now, that, that is, I think every preacher wants to believe that. But again, look at how many churches there are in the United States of America. And I think genuinely, sometimes we have to ask, how much are people actually changed by what they hear on a Sunday? How much genuine change actually takes place? And is the lack of change the fault of the preacher? Or is the lack of change the fault of the person in the pew? Is it because he did not give enough application? That's the problem? Is it because he did not connect enough? Is the, is the fault the pulpit or is the fault in the pew? Or is the fault both? They go on to say, every sermon should ask the people for some sort of a response. However, before one can ask such a thing, the preacher must connect what is taught to the lived experience of the congregation. So whatever is taught, I have to connect it to the lived experience of the congregation, where my approach is, no, 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 I'm just going to teach what's in the text, now, I may look for some way to make it practical. I think I do. I think I typically do. I think most people would say I try to, to do that in some way. But I'm more interested in trying to figure out what the text says, what it means by the words that are used. Understanding the textual context, the historical context, trying to under, understand the theological issues or the textual issues found within the text. They go on to say, doctrinal sermons need to connect to human experience. Many sermons, especially doctrinal ones, neglect this connection to human experience. We preachers sometimes think that the preaching the truth is all that is needed. So we preach sermons that follow an outline much like this. This is saying how most pastors preach a doctrinal sermon. This is the outline they typically follow. Teach the doctrine. Defend the doctrine from a few angles. Tell people they need to believe the doctrine. All right? Now, they're saying that this, this, this outline neglects connecting it to human experience. So, therefore, this sermon would be ineffective in bringing about change because all you're doing is teaching a doctrine, defending the doctrine, and telling people they need to believe the doctrine, but, you're, you're, but we're neglecting to connect it to human experience. And if we can connect it to human experience, then I guess, dun 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 dun, dun, dun we get the change that everyone thinks should occur. They, they continue. I heard a sermon on the Trinity like this. The preacher read a few texts, that taught the doctrine of the Trinity. The preacher then defended the doctrine from a few attacks that are sometimes heard. The preacher then closed by calling us to hold on to the doctrine. He then sat down. Note that the people don't know why the doctrine is important. They don't know how to apply it in their daily life. So they're saying that's a failure. You've got to, you've got to help them understand why the Trinity is important to their daily life. Now, the problem is, if you're not careful, 
you'll try to apply it in a way that may not even be like, like, I think there's a danger in applying something in a way that you shouldn't apply it. Right. Because I think this, it, I think sometimes this leads to the problems where people will preach something in the Old Testament, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and specifically the text is focused on them. And we immediately they get kicked out of the text and we make it about us. But they go on to say, here we go. Um, in contrast, so in contrast to that approach, the teach the doctrine, defend the doctrine, tell people to believe the doctrine. Um, I read where Eugene Lowry stated the following on page 18 on the book, The Homiletical Plot. All right, The Homiletical Plot. I am considering, and this is what it says. This is from the book, The Homiletical Plot. I am considering the possibility of a doctrine, of a doctrinal sermon on the Trinity. The preliminary question to be asked is, what problem or bind does the Trinitarian formula resolve? All right. So the homiletical plot on page 18 states this. I'm considering the possibility of a doctrinal sermon on the Trinity. The preliminary question to be asked is, what problem or bind does the Trinitarian formula resolve? So he wants to come at it from, hey, what problem does this resolve? Where I would want to come at it from, does the Bible give us the Trinitarian doctrine and how are we to understand it? What does the Bible say in regards to it? He wants to approach it more. Like, I want to just figure out what the Bible says and understand what it says about the Trinity and work through all the difficult passages and struggles and ups and downs. We may even look at it from a historical perspective at all the Trinitarian, all the Christological and heresies of the past that attack the doctrine of the Trinity. And he wants to look at it. What problem or bind does this formula resolve? It's, it's in other words, it's got to fix a, pro, a practical problem. Okay, they go on to say, here the preacher will be looking at how the doctrine solves some problem. Does the Trinity tell us something about community? Does the Trinity guide us in some way? Perhaps the Trinity provides a vehicle for understanding God's total investment in human salvation. Whatever the case, when we go to preach a doctrine, it should be connected to human experience if we expect to be able to make an appeal to the importance of the doctrine. Now, it is true that some people neglect doctrine as if it is unimportant. That is another issue we'll take up later. But when you preach doctrine, informing others is important, but helping the people to understand the doctrine in such a way that it will change the way they live is also important. And most important is to allow the doctrine to facilitate the encounter with God that we hope to experience in the worship service. There, there is their approach. So I ha now they don't that I, to me they don't really explain what that actually looks like. Like okay, I'm going to preach the Trinity, and I got to figure out what problem does this solve. I'm going to preach the deity of Christ. What problem does this solve? I'm going to preach the different uh, order salutis, the order of self. What problem does this resolve? Now, I do, again, I'm not denying the importance of application. I'm not denying the importance of application. I just feel like, what's the focus? Is the focus to solve a problem? Is the focus to understand the text? Like, 
how should we approach the sermon? In some ways, I do understand what they're saying. I think, I think if you just listen to what we've done on the subject of discernment on the sermons that I've preached. Now, I've, I've preached it in a very like struggling with the concept. So I guess the problem I want to solve there is for people to have a correct understanding of discernment versus a wrong understanding of discernment and giving people two different paths to understanding discernment. The one that the curriculum provided us, which I think is problematic, and a far different one that I think is more biblical. So maybe there I am trying to resolve the problem of a misunderstanding discernment. So maybe I, I, in that particular case, I was approaching it that way. We're going to be working on, coming up soon, uh, a number of chapters in John chapter, in, in, in the Gospel of John. We'll start with John chapter 4. Now, see, my approach will be first, let's just figure out what's going on in the text. Now, I think I will try to apply it to some way, to some level. It just feels like when you say doctrine is not enough, you got to connect it to human experience. It just means, it seems to make the people the focus and not the text. Does that make sense? I know there's a, I know there's a fine line here. There's a balance here. I know there's a balance here. But today's focus is, I'm just supposed to hand it to you so that you struggle with this. What do you think about the sermon structure? And what do you think the focus of the sermon should be? Should the focus of the sermon be on you and connecting the the sermon with your human experience? Or should the focus of the sermon be just trying to figure out what the text says? I'm not saying we ignore application. I'm just saying, where should the focus be? Because here's here's my fear. A lot of the sermons that I think really try to make it practical and applicable and try to connect it to human experience, what I have a feeling, what this is what I always fear or what I always feel that happens, and this is what I fear will happen, is you're going through this text that's got all of these complexities and difficulties and layers and struggles, and they just kind of gloss over it, like doom, 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 doom. Some people say this, boom, 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 move right through it, point one, point two, point three. Now let's get to making this about you, right? Instead of like really living in the text, they will, they will at least gloss over it. They will handle the text, but it immediately becomes about you, 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 you. This is what you need to do. 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 Like, and, and so they sacrifice the text in a way. They gloss over it. They won't embrace its difficulty and struggle simply to make it about you. I think that is a, a I think that's a real danger. I, I've heard too many sermons like that. You're like, oh, they're going to be preaching on this text. Okay, good. I'm ready. And I'll be like, whoa, 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 whoa. I got a million questions, right? What happened? And the next thing you know, it's like, okay, here's the three things you need to do this week. I'm like, yeah, the three things I need to do this week is find another sermon on this text, find another sermon on this text, and find another sermon on this text because you did not let help me understand the difficulties and complexities of said text. You just wanted to give me three things I need to do this week. So I think that, that that's my fear. Maybe that's a good way to state my fear is. Like, here's this utterly difficult text and you just kind of like boom, 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 boom. Like, I'm gonna, I got to connect it to the people. I got to connect it to the people. I got to connect it to the people. 
Now, see, if I've, if I've always done that, there's, there's things that we've done in my church we've, we've never have done. Like, there's things we've done in my church that nobody would have ever done in a church. For example, when we were dealing with covenant theology and Israel, and as God replaced the uh, Israel with the church, um, his future promises for, for Israel, when we read about Israel in the Old Testament, do we see that as national Israel, or do we see that as somehow, quote-unquote, spiritual Israel? A lot of those issues dealing with amillennialism, covenant theology, do we believe in a millennial kingdom? Has Israel been replaced? All of these issues. I'm like, look, ladies and gentlemen, there's all these theological issues, and, every, and, and everyone has a perspective, and everyone has a point. And I could go grab a book that gives one perspective, take that book, develop a series of sermons based off that book, and all I would be doing is giving you a perspective, not really dealing with the text. So you know what? Instead of arguing about this, here's what we're going to do. And I did this at Victory Baptist Church for the next, it, it almost, I don't even remember how many months it took. It took months. We started in Genesis and looked at every single reference to the word Israel throughout the entire Bible to determine was it national or spiritual or was it questionable. And I think we looked up like 3,000 references. And I think about 2,998, 2,999, really, that's clearly national Israel. And then we dealt with, well, wait a minute, the new covenant is made with Israel. How do we understand that? What does that mean? What are the implications of that? And, 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 but no, guess what? I wasn't sitting there going, how does this connect to you? I was like, we got to figure this out because this has serious doctrinal implications. So we're going to work through it together. Most people would have left a church like that just because it was literally like, okay, so where are we at today? Okay, we are in Exodus today. All right, for, for the next hour, we're just going to look up references. All right, guys, so what do you think? National, spiritual, or you don't know, or both. Okay, boom, got it. All right, let's go to the next one. All right, next. Okay, all right, got it. Next, all right, next, got it. And we're going to do the same thing with baptism coming up soon. Now, that won't be 3,000 references, but after we go through these three historical documents on baptism, then I'm going to like, okay, let's start and look at every verse that talks about baptism and just try to write down what we can see from these verses alone. Not from any book, not from anyone's theology alone. And there's been other things we've done this with. We're like, okay, we're just going to look up every reference then. We're going to look up every reference. Now, that, that I'm not connecting it to people. I'm not, now I see some people would be like, well, see, that's not good preaching. Yeah, that's more teaching. But don't the people need to preach? I mean, what's the purpose of the church? To equip saints so they're no longer tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. What's the best way to keep them equipped? Is not me just to dogmatically assert, this is what you should believe, but to go, here's the con, the problems and the difficulties. Let's work through it. So I think in many cases, I do, I, I, I think in many cases, I do try to apply it to some level, but I think sometimes you just have to work through the, the, the issue. So what, what do you think about preaching in general? What do you think? What are you looking for? Now, we've talked about this in other episodes, but I just, I saw that today and I had to, to deal with it. Doctrine isn't enough. You got to connect with the people. What's your thoughts? Email me today, newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. And that is your today's focus for Wednesday, February the 22nd, 2023.